This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. Today, we got an awesome episode about what it looks like when you line your dominoes up. We find that oftentimes living your one thing, uh, people don't trust the domino effect. They think big for a vision for their life, yet they struggle to act small. They want to act big. They want to go take action in all these different areas. But when they chase so many rabbits, they end up catching none of them. However, when you think big and then you narrow it all the way back to that one little action that you can do every single day, the challenge is people just don't trust that by doing that action day after day after day, that it will actually create extraordinary results in your life. Today's a case study. We're having a conversation with one of you. Someone who read the book when it first came out, they grabbed onto it and they started living their one thing. They started living the book. And over four years, they've truly trusted that if they kept their focus narrow and small, that they could enjoy a really big life. And that's exactly what's happened. So let's get into my conversation with John White. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So John, talk to me about when you first read the book. I mean, a lot of people I hear, they say they read it and they're like, oh my God, it was amazing. And some people, they're really challenged by it. What was your experience? When I first read the book, it was definitely something that I could not put down. I I felt like I'm starting to get content and information and just clarity that I can have a huge impact. And so at that point, I felt like, you know, I've been exposed to something that can be a game changer in my life. You know, how do I decide to do something with it? And, um, you know, it just takes some time to digest really all of the content in the book. And, um, but once you really realize it's something new, it's something powerful, it's something more simple than any other information of its kind, you know, then I felt like I had a decision to make and that was just to go deeper and deeper and begin implementing. Now, for for some background, walk people through what you do professionally and what life was like before the book. Sure. So um, I'm a wealth planning advisor, a wealth management advisor, financial advisor, however someone may say it. At the time that I read the book, I was married, no children, still married, have two children. Uh, in the beginning stages of my business, first couple of years of you know, really out where in any critical new startup business, you know, there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of distraction, you can't get enough done in enough time. You know, there's just a lot of moving parts. But I'd had some success at that at that stage, 
and yet was really looking to go to the next level, was really looking to uh, create more uh, balance or counterbalance in my life. And I knew that uh, it was not going to get um, any more uh, simple or slow down anytime soon. We were hoping to have a family. I was looking to hire more people onto my team and uh, things were only going to get bigger, at least was my desire. And uh, so the book came along in a time where I knew um, I wanted to execute at a higher level. I wasn't quite exactly sure how to get there, but I was on my way. And um, that's when the book really hit me. And, uh, you know, timing could not have been better really at that point. Well, let's go into that a little bit. You're talking about striking that work-life balance, or like we call it that counterbalance. What was out of balance for you? I don't know if it's as much as, um, you know, things are just way out of balance as much as you just knew that it was hard to keep things in order. You know, there have been periods of time over the few years prior where maybe I wasn't in as good a shape as I was like, maybe I wasn't, you know, getting home to my uh, a wife as early as I would like to, you know, maybe I knew uh, financially I was doing well, but I knew I could do so much more, you know, what was out there or what could be out there that was just waiting on me. So, you know, I always believe that there's someone out in the world who is executing in all areas of their life. This is really my belief before the book. And yet maybe I didn't really know them or I wasn't quite sure how to become that person. And um, yet I knew I wanted to be that person. So when I read the book the first time, I was like, wow, this is, this is really the content. This is the blueprint. This is the mindset to become that type of person. You know, that's what really drew me to the book so much at that point. So you read the book. You love the book. What did it look like to start living the book? Where did you begin? Well, the book really lays it out. You know, it's the first domino. I think, you know, the first piece is to create a vision. Um, You know, the big picture. Where do you really see this thing going? And then I think what people struggle with, and I'm sure I struggled with at the time, is how do you dial that back? You know, what do I do tomorrow to do something about it? And uh, so the book really helped me dream. I mean, I remember making notes in the book the first time I read it. How does this apply to me? What does this vision look like in my life? And then, you know, when you're done, you kind of dial that back into, okay, how do I uh, build a plan for the next 12 months, for the next three months at a time, for the next month, the next, you know, four weeks, the next week, tomorrow. And uh, so for me, it was really getting that plan and vision on paper. Um, I was already journaling a lot at that time. So just getting real clear on the vision and then building the dominoes that in each area of my life, I knew here's the first one to knock down. And and some of that is testing. You know, you, you test things, test often, test fast. And so it probably takes, you know, some time really to get it really where you want it to be, meaning that plan. Uh, but I just began testing as soon as I had my first, you know, rough draft of what I I thought that plan would look like. So here's what's interesting, because it sounds like you recognized you needed to take action. And and you said something, which is there's a lot of areas you could go deciding which one is the lead domino. Did that analysis, did you suffer from analysis paralysis or did you just choose it and view it as a test? Uh, That's interesting. I I definitely take action for sure. So you know, I think I have a unique ability to put that plan down and take action, whether it's, you know, the right action or you're, you're testing, you know, you got to take some kind of action. So yeah, I definitely um, took action quickly. And then just review, even on a weekly basis, monthly basis, quarterly basis, 
you know, are these the right actions? Are these creating the domino effect in my life in this area that I really want? Or could it be a little bit better? Should I tweak it a little bit um, to get even more clear? Now, were you thinking this way when you first implemented? Or are you, do you have the curse of knowledge a little bit where you've been living it for so long that you're going, yeah, well, of course, you said vision, you, you take action, you review it on a regular basis. You know, you're talking the language. Did you get it right away? Or is this now you four years later of living it? Well, I, I think I'm um, doing my very best to be honest about where I was at the time. I, I think I, I was already headed in the right direction. And the book really just said, look, here's exactly how to do it. You know, that you're, you're trying things out. You, maybe you began journaling. Maybe you began, uh, you know, just tracking some goals. And yet, you know, there's a lot of different pieces out there on, you know, a lead measures and a lot of measures. And then yet all of a sudden the book is just like, boom, like here's how you do it. And uh, I felt like it took what I was already doing um, okay and just really accelerated it at that point. All right. Because the thing that we've seen in whether it's when we're on the phone with people who listen to the podcast, when I'm talking to our founding members, people read the book, they love the book, they struggle to live the book because from a theory standpoint, it makes so much sense. Look at all the things you could do. Identify the one thing you should do. Do that first. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Time block. Schedule time with yourself to do your most important work. Yeah, how hard could that be? But then you step into the real world where suddenly you're not in a vacuum and you realize that the world is not set up for you to actually be productive. What did that look like for you inside your organization? Well, I think one key point here is that you need a coach. Um, you need accountability. Um, you need guidance, you know, whether it was for me or having a coach, having a mint, having mentors, you know, I immediately gave the book to my coaches, to my mentors, you know, this, this is what I want help on. And they, and they of course love the book as well. You know, I remember one mentor referencing it as true North principles. So I think it, it, first step is to realize you can't do this by yourself. You can't, you can't really do anything by yourself. Every, every human being needs accountability. Every human being needs a coach to operate at the highest level. So once you begin to uh, have some guidance on putting together a plan, there has to be accountability. There has to be peer groups. Uh, you have to be courageous enough to share your vision and goals with others uh, so they can help keep you on track. You know, I think, that, I think that's probably a piece that people miss. They think they're going to do it by themselves. Um, no one loses weight and keeps the weight off by themselves. No one executes in business and sustains it all by themselves. We can look at this book or, you know, many different pieces of content and see it as overwhelming, but the, I mean, the one thing to take away from the book is simplify, you know, simplify to one action, you know? So um, I think people, even as they have the content and they think it's valuable, they are still thinking in a complex space when, you know, the question is, how do I go more simple, more simple, more simple? And um, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from the book. And I think that helps someone execute really that first step, that first domino. But understanding you need a peer group and you need accountability to go along with it. One of the themes that I have seen is that people will often tell themselves the story that it's more complicated than it needs to be to justify their inaction. 
we deep down on a subconscious believe it's so complex. There's so much that needs to be done. Oh my gosh, if I, if I don't do this thing, then I can't do that thing. You tell yourself this story and you end up letting it paralyze you. And you go, well, I, I couldn't get it done because it was just too hard. It's too complicated. But I love what you're saying, John. Simplify. Focus. Jay said to me the other day, how do we make our business so dumb that we're smart enough to run it? That's <laughs> like, that was, re- that was really good. But how do we look at everything we've been doing and make it so simple that we're smart enough to run it? How can you do that in your life? Absolutely. Well, you, and you look at society, you look at social media, you look at uh, the way that people self-promote today. And they want to be perceived as doing things at a higher level than those around them. Uh, they want to see someone, they want to be perceived as someone who has accomplished the complex. And, you know, the, rea- the reality is you, I think you want to be the opposite. You, you want to, you know, when people say, how do you do this? It's like, well, you know, it's, you'd be shocked if I told you, like, dumb it, you know, to Jay's point, dumb it down, you know, dumb it down, dumb it down some more, you know, more simple. You know, I think the idea of things needing to be complex or the world's making them appear to be complex. You know, that's just a cover-up. The reality is things are executed at a high level by being simple, period. That's true. I think that's when a mentor of mine says this is true north, he's, he's saying, you know, these principles have always existed. How do we, you know, how do you bring them into your own life amidst all the distraction and the perceptions that exist in the world that we live in? What was one area where you were living with complexity and you were able to simplify? Uh, well, within my business, I mean, there's a couple of areas of, you know, work where I can personally create revenue. And this was a challenge. You know, you have some successes. There's opportunities that come at you in different directions. And, you you know, you see the financial uh, value that can be placed on each opportunity. And, um, you know, you, you try to accomplish maybe more than you can or in more areas than you really are capable at one time. And so that becomes a distraction and you actually don't execute at as high of a level. And so um, for me, you know, a year after the book, a year after doing some things really well, receiving some recognition from principles that I took from the book, all of a sudden opportunity shows up and say, oh, now we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. And, you know, you, you build a business plan around it. And the reality is, uh, not yet, you know, stay simple, stay focused, stay on the one thing. What, of all of these revenue opportunities, which one's going to generate the most, the fastest? And how do you master that in your business? Mm. And, um, you know, I see people make the mistake. I've made the mistake trying to go after too many different squirrels that can create fruit, but you're missing a lot of opportunity. Whereas as I've studied Gary Keller, I've studied others, you know, stay narrow in your pursuit longer than you think you will master more and you'll create more revenue, which creates more opportunity to then go tackle the other areas when you're actually ready. Um, and that was definitely a mistake I made about second half of 2014, you know, about six months in as, you, as you're viewing these things, like, okay, let's, let's take a step back. Let's get back to how did we get where we are and, and let's laser focus back in that area. And, uh, you know, my bit, business really continued to grow at that point. I love what you said there because you know the people who listen to this show are high achievers. We're not talking to people who are who have just ordinary ambitions. We're talking to the people who want to achieve the extraordinary. And with that, 
these are action takers. They're the people who get into action. And when you're in action is, of course, when all the opportunities come your way. And I know a lot of us suffer from that shiny object syndrome. What I love that you said, John, is when those opportunities come to, to say no and to keep your focus narrow, to focus on that one thing that truly makes everything else easier or unnecessary. I learned this lesson the hard way as well. And it's, but it's been one of the most powerful lessons that I've learned since being in business with Gary and Jay. And I love that you had that experience as well. Well, absolutely. And I, I don't, I'm not very close to Gary. I don't really know him personally. I've been around him. I, I would love to be able to spend more time with him, you know, but I've been able to observe him through his people a lot of times. And you now, now you see people see him from afar as very successful, multiple business entities, multiple revenue streams. And, you know, they want to go be him. And the reality is he had one for a long time that got really, really big until he found the talent and the people to go build the other one. And I heard someone ask him a question one time, probably when the light bulb went off for me, is someone asked him, well, what if I have two businesses? You know, I don't have one thing with two businesses. And Gary's point was, well, you better have two people in this, their one thing. And I thought, you know, I don't have two people or three or four. And I'm trying to create three or four different opportunities and I'm only one person. Mm-hmm. And, 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 go, and go, go back to where we started, focus there, narrow, go narrow and go narrow. And eventually revenues increase, eventually opportunity increase, eventually you're, attra- you're more attractive to the talent that you need to bring into your team. And then you can create opportunities for other and they become their one thing uh, for the other people within your team. And then I, I've watched other business owners do the same thing where I can take those nuggets back to what I experienced with Gary. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm ahead of myself. I need to circle back and get laser focused. And, uh, the last two, the last two years, I think I've really experienced that fruit. And even now I'm more equipped. I'm more uh, conditioned with this mindset and approach, but you know, opportunities show up and I keep having to go, I keep having to go back and ask myself, is this driving the mission here? And are we really ready for this? And it takes a lot of strength to say, no, you know, we're not ready yet. I don't have the person yet because we want to appear as if we're doing so many things so well. And the reality is it just, that's all that just doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, I'll touch on one thing. This, one of the things that actually got cut from the book, it was, it was a thief, which is the thief of maintenance. A lot of people, you know, your business is going well, you see another opportunity and you go, well, I got extra time. I can absolutely fit that into the schedule. And so you say yes to another opportunity. You make a commitment and that commitment requires you to maintain it over time. And I remember being in a mastermind with Gary talking about so many of us, we start saying yes to those shiny objects because we think we can fit it into our life based on the way our life is structured now. What we're not anticipating is what life is going to look like within the next seven years when historically there is a market shift. And what happens when the golden goose, your core business, suddenly is in jeopardy? Will you still have those extra four hours a week? It's that maintenance cost that we don't really consider that over time creates a tremendous obligation that ends up dividing your focus and undermining your results. Absolutely. What I love what you said here is just, you know, you've been living it for four years. And from our conversations, I, can, I get the sense that you're living it at a pretty high level. Do you feel like you've mastered this yet? <laughs> I would say, um, quick answers, you know, no. no. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, people think they've mastered something, but they just don't really know how good you could be at that 
task. You know, I, I think my answer is no, because I see others doing it better that I would perceive as have mastered it better than myself. And so I think, okay, I've gotten much better than where I was. You know, I'm, I'm grateful I'm not where I was, but I'm certainly not where I'm going to be or want to be in this space. You know, and I think mastery is interesting because you're, you're in the pursuit of mastery, but if you've completely mastered, then, you know, maybe you're not growing in that area. So I, I think you truly can master something, but I think it's much further along than people typically think or give it, you know, give it the attention that maybe it deserves to truly master something. So um, I, I would believe that I'm, I'm definitely on my way towards mastery. I'm way ahead of where I was four years ago, you know, but I'm constantly working to get better and better and better in this space. Um, because you also begin to feel the fruit that exists, you know, and you think, okay, to do more of this and have more of this and impact more, you know, I just got to stay focused on getting better at this task or at this skill or, um, this piece of information and I'm not there. Well, we often see, and the reason I asked you that question is, uh, I had a sense that was going to be your answer. So many people, they start to take action when they get momentum under their belt. They get really confident. They go, okay, like I've seen people two weeks into time blocking mastery be like, yep, I've been doing it. Now I'm ready for my next habit. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're riding the high of and the novelty of taking action for the first time. You haven't yet had the low end of that entrepreneurial roller coaster where all of a sudden the monotony starts to sink in. And then all of a sudden your existing environment begins to attack you. People start responding and trying to steal your focus back. You haven't endured that yet. What I love, and, and John, it's, it's, it's a testament to you surrounding yourself with the right people because so many people, they are unwilling to endure that monotony of success. They're unwilling to keep the focus narrow long enough. For sure. You know, I'm thinking of a couple of things. Um, I remember a very successful a real estate business owner, a very close friend of mine, uh, he referenced the comment that Gary said is you got to fight through the boredom. And at the time I was having a success in maybe an area where I'm like, you know, this isn't quite as exciting as it was. Is this all it is? Is it you know, just this for the next 30 years? And the reality is I'm not anywhere near where I want to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a sense of boredom maybe in that one area for that period of time. And, you know, this friend said, you got to fight through that boredom because it's so much bigger on the other side. And I'm like, I'm like, wow. Okay. You know, that's, that's what the elite do, you know, and eventually maybe that area, you hire someone to take over that area for you. But the only way you really get to really, really big is there is going to be that period where you fight through the boredom. And, um, I just always think of, um, you know, skill skills as related to professional athletes. I think people really underestimate how good professional athletes are at their skill, whether it's shooting a basketball or throwing a football or whatever it may be. And so you look in in not just the business world, but other areas of your life. And you think, well, if if that elite level is what elite looks like in this area of my life, then I've got a long way to go. And truly a professional in athletics can do a task, you know, without even thinking. And yet we're still having to create energy to execute a task at a high level. And I think really mastery is when it takes no energy to execute that task or that goal or that piece. And as long as it's taking energy, you know, you may be performing at a high level, but you're not there yet. Uh, or at least that's what I try to, that's what I attempt to tell myself, you know, it's not, I'm not repeating this 
perfect 100% of the time. So therefore, I haven't, I haven't mastered. A lot of people think 60%, 70%, or I can wing it and I sound really good. Uh, but you haven't mastered it. And elite professionals or people living an elite life, they've mastered it too. It's 100% of the time. They can repeat. And at a deeper level, they've redefined what mastery is. It's not a destination. It's a journey. You look at a guy like Gary and every single time he gets in front of you, he will present himself as the student. There's a reason for that because there's always another level. There's always a ceiling of achievement above you that you can break through if you can establish that next process, that next system. And Jay was telling me yesterday, he was telling me a story about um, Gary was teaching a class and he, and he asked people if they'd be interested in learning um, a million dollar time management system. And people said, yes. And he said, well, what system are you using? And the group said, I don't know. And he said, well, how you find out is you ask yourself, how much did you make last year? If you made 50 grand, then you're using the $50,000 time management system. If you made 200 grand, you're using the 200K time management system. Whatever system you're using is indicative of your results. If you want to make more money, you got to use a different system. <laughs> and oh, that's man. just I like, mean, whoa, that, that's how they approach time, baby. Yeah, I mean, that's a sledgehammer that hits you right in the face, you know? And you think about people that you know, and, and money is not the driver in all areas. I mean, it's just, it, it's, a, it's one piece. And, um, you know, people have their own relationship with money, but it is, it is something that you can track. And so to say, you know, a million dollar income earner has a million dollar system, you know, um, that's just so uh, easy to see at that stage. And if I think of people that I know and their incomes are at those levels and I think of their execution and time management, that is so true what he's sharing. You know, now the key is have that multi-million dollar system in every area of your life. At least that's what I strive to do. And I felt like this book also gave the blueprint and strategy because it, it is scalable to all other areas of your life. And um, what I never wanted to do is be the person making a lot of money and really failed in other areas. And a lot of books don't talk about that. And, and that analogy that Gary gave of you're, back, you're juggling these balls, right? And they all, they're all rubber, except for you know, the key relationship or your health. Or, you know, it's understanding that all these balls that you're juggling in, in your world, they're not, they're not equal. And some of them you can bounce back, some of them you can't. And, and just the awareness to understand that. I think that gives such great counterbalance to life in general. And that earning income is just a piece of it. So what's, we'll go into your mindset a little bit about how, what does your day look like? So many people, and this has been a struggle for me before getting into business with Gary and Jay and something I've been working through, not just focusing on work, but truly looking forward to the physical health, looking forward to nurturing the relationships, looking forward to nurturing the spirituality. What does that look like for you? Well, I think uh, just back to um, keeping it so simple, um, you know, the first step is wake up at the same time every single day. I mean, that you, you think that's an a no-brainer, and yet very few people actually do it. So, um, you know, a reoccurring alarm clock at the same time every single day. Uh, there's certainly days that it is adjusted. There's certainly days that you're off track or just other things in life show up. Uh, but, you know, if you're executing 80 to 90% of your days and you wake up at the same time, you're way ahead of where you used to be. Uh, so I have a reoccurring alarm clock every morning. And then, yeah, you know, I go, I go work out. And so I don't just go work out. 
it really evolved even through this book as I go to, I personally go to a CrossFit gym. Uh, but I think the concept is not CrossFit as much as at 5.30 a.m., I show up at a building and they tell me what to do for an hour. You know, that keeps it really simple. I don't have to think of what I'm going to do. I don't have to think of, you know, do I feel like working out today or talk myself out of the workout? So I've, I'm, I've systematized the first hour and a half of my day that makes it so hard for me not to accomplish it. You know, just wake up at this time, get in my car, show up here, <laughs> and I'm already ahead of where I was. I love it. Now, I, there was a time where I, I went to another gym, a big, a big gym, a fitness center, really. And you know, those two weeks, I couldn't take it. I was having to think of my own workout. I was having to motivate myself, get, you know, and I, I just couldn't take it. I, I'd been, I had become so systematized in that area, those habits where you know, I was used to motivating myself to work out in the past, but now I've created where I don't have to be motivated to work out. I just have to show up. And so everyone, you know, that willpower is on will call. Well, just remove that, have a class, interval training of whatever type of group is the right fit and show up at a certain time and do that every day. And now your first hour and a half of your day, you know, you have to screw it up to not execute basically. And that makes it easier for you, for me at least. Now for you, did you tackle health and family time and spirituality all at once? Or did you narrow your focus and begin with one? Uh, they're, they're all important to me for sure. You know, I, I do believe that you have to really take care of your mind, your body, and your spirit if you expect to be the best for others. And so nothing is more important to me than my family. And then yet, if I don't take care of myself, I'm not really doing a good job for my family. So um, for me personally, it's in the morning, it is that mental and spiritual space and exercising. So by, you know, 7 to 7.30, I've really uh, energized my battery. I've fed my soul. I've fed my mind. I've fed my body. And then, you know, from there, I may go into a work day. Um, I'm still very young in my family, young in my business. So I'm not seeing my family every single morning at 7.30. Uh, but now, three years later, I have a, a soon-to-be, or four years later, soon-to-be four-year-old and a two-year-old. So uh, my goal every week is to get back home to see them before I go into the office at least three times a week. Mm. Right. So it's again, it's baby steps. It was one time a week. It was been two times. And some weeks I see them four or five times. Some weeks I see them one time. But you know, Gary talks about it in the book. That's the emotional energy. I think of that piece of the book when I come back home at 7.30 in the morning. And when I don't have those moments, I certainly I, I miss those moments. So part of it is just clarity is you know, this is my ideal morning. Now, how can I move in the direction of executing you know, that morning as often as possible? Well, here's what I'm hearing. In your conversation, what you just went through, the real lead domino, the thing that you focused on making a habit was getting to the gym every morning, right? Correct. The, the, re the reoccurring alarm clock. Correct. Really first. Okay. So reoccurring alarm clock, even getting up. I love it. Going even smaller. That allowed you to get to the gym every morning. And because you got to the gym, not only did it nurture your physical health, but it had a, it had a halo effect. It also satisfied a spiritual element for you. It also satisfied a personal element for you. You lined your dominoes up. What I'm hearing is you actually just trusted the domino effect for four years because it has continued to spill over 
and help you establish more and more what that structure and that ideal day looks like? Totally. I mean, um, you know, if I think of, okay, by eight o'clock, I have uh, read what if it was uh, for me, maybe personal, uh, maybe it's scriptures or maybe it's uh, some other piece of just, you know, development, mental, spiritual development. And let's say I've journaled a little bit of where I am, what I'm focused on, what's going well, what I'm grateful for, and I've exercised. Um, you know, I'm way ahead of where I was five years ago by 8 a.m. that morning. And then if I can see my family before I leave the house, that's even better. Uh, my goal is to, to repeat that morning five days a week, you know, for the rest of my life, really. I mean, that's the vision. And yet I think it's important for people to understand. Um, wherever I am right now, um, I'm certainly not where I want to be and I'm not where I used to be. So, you know, it's a constant tweak and test, um, and it's progression. You know, you're not going to go from zero to 100 in one month. And I think the idea of the 66 days and, you know, how do you repeat days consistently, um, to build habits, to build these systems and just constantly keep moving in the right direction. I think that's the main takeaway is keep moving in the direction that you want to go. And so many people have no idea where they really want to go. So the first step is where, where do you really want to go? And then let's just progress weekly in that direction and constantly tweak and test and ask, okay, are we making good decisions? Are we moving forward? Um, and ultimately, that's all you can do in life, in my opinion. Just keep moving in the direction that you want to go in. So John, let's wrap up. If you were in, in the shoes of being the mentor to the person who's listening to this right now, they want to begin taking that first step to living their one thing. What would you suggest that they do? I think the first step uh, personally is sitting down and just and, uh, and dreaming a little bit. You know, if you take the seven areas of your life or, you know, the different areas and and really just dream, like, what would the ideal situation be? What would my connectedness to this area be if it were as big as I can possibly imagine today? And I've, I think I've learned people are, they, they struggle doing that. They have a hard time doing it. They're um, afraid of doing it. But just remove any limitations for a moment and just dream a little bit in this area, in, in each area that is important, you know, your ideal marriage, ideal you know, as a mother or father, uh, where you live, the income you make, what is your health, your physical condition look like? What does your relationships look like with your parents, um, with, you know, other key people at work? Um, and really just think in that, in that way, in, the, in that space. And then, you know, that's the first step of, uh, of vision casting and then bringing that back to, okay, you know, where would I be five years from now? You know, what do I believe is possible one year from now that's in alignment with five years from now? And then, you know, where does that take me in the next three months? And then ultimately, what is the first domino in each area of your life that drives you in that direction? And you may have to really spend more time thinking of the first domino, the first uh, task or habit, um, because it may take some time to really get to what is the most important thing that I can do in this space. And then even once you have them all in that area or all of those down, you know, of all the areas of your life, which one's the most important or which one do you feel like needs the most work today? Uh, and then and really just focus on that one area for the next 66 days. 
that could be a key key relationship, key part of your business. Um, you know, maybe it's health for someone, maybe it's, you know, a relationship with a, a loved one, maybe it's, you know, you're really not spiritually connected to where you may want to be. Um, and I so I think I would work someone through that exercise, but I think what I've learned is that exercise is fun for me. It's a little more natural for me. I think people really have a hard time with it. And so I'd really want to help someone kind of work through and really dream with no, with no limitations. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for, for the time and uh, just be an example of what it means to live the book. Well, I appreciate uh, you, Jeff and Jay and, and Gary. And, um, you know, you're all uh, people who have had an influence on me and many others and influence on people that you guys will never meet. And um, so hopefully this is helpful and impactful to others. And, um, you know, it's definitely helping me uh, on this journey that I'm on as well. So thank you. Well, there you have it. My conversation with John White. Folks, I love having conversations like these. Conversations with you. I think that's one of the things as I've looked back on the past 50 plus episodes that we've done, we haven't tried to be like every other podcast and just interviewing gurus and experts. That's not what it's about. We really believe that the more that we can go narrow and help highlight the people that have actually done the work, that have made the commitment to being on the road to mastery and taking control of their time, that's the most value we can bring to you. And so I love chatting with people like John because he's the type of guy who's taken action and now he's in the position where he wants to turn around and share the successes he's had and more importantly, to share the struggles. That is what it is all about, folks. The thing that stands out to me most in this is that trust of the domino effect. We talked about it at the very beginning of the episode and I will ask you directly, what's that one thing you can do? Such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary. When you look at all the areas of your life, whether it be your spirituality, your physical health, your personal life, your relationships, your job, your business, your finances, what's the one area you really need to focus on first? Not to say you don't need to make improvements in all of them. We all do. But what's the one, if you had to just choose one, that you would focus on first? And can you apply the focusing question to it enough times to the point where you get to a specific measurable action? Like for John, it was just to set a reoccurring alarm clock and get out of bed at the same time to develop the habit of being out of bed at the same time every single day that led, that opened the door for him to get to the gym every day, that opened the door for him to satisfy not only his physical health, but also his spiritual life and also his personal life that also then helped him realize how badly he wanted to be home on a regular basis to spend time with his children, to nurture those relationships so that then he could show up fully as a professional, so that then he could turn it off and get back home to be with his family. When you do one thing, the right thing, it can topple over many things. If you would like our help in this, if you would like us to be your accountability partner in getting results, to be your mentor in living your one thing, then text the word founder to the number 33444 or go to the onething.com slash membership. This is your chance to be on the list when we open the doors to this brand new community. It is the most valuable premium resource we've created since the book, Point Blank. You want to be on the list for this, so make sure you do that. And regardless of whether or not you choose to join us in the Living Your One Thing community, know how much we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have not subscribed yet, please do so, so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. 
Thank you to all of you who have left us a rating and a review in iTunes. We read every single one. And thank you for sharing it. We see the download numbers climbing. We know it's because you are turning around and you are telling people about this podcast. So thank you. We honor you. And we can't wait to be with you in the next episode.